Evelyn Price, and I'm here with... Mr. Steve. Are you sure about that? Yes. Okay. I just, I, I thought, I thought you were going to say it, and then I was like, oh, I, I'll say it. You're here, I'm yeah. Present. <laughs> and our producer, Will, is our guest tonight, so say hi, Will. Hi, Mr. S- I'm Mr. S- Steve. No, 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 no. You're Evelyn Price. Present. I'm. Hello, everyone. I'm Evelyn Price, and I am excited to bring you this podcast. I am Will, and you can follow me at DJ Lunchbox on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Don't share that. Um, <laughs> yes, it's true. I'm producer Will, and I'm here to uh, bring weird music. So tonight we are going to each pick a song, which is super fun. So we all are only doing one song this week. And Steve's is The Other Side of Summer by Elvis Costello. Will's is Top Drawer by Man Man. And mine is Your Woman by White Town. Uh, before we get into the songs, we have some housekeeping to do. Uh, something happened this week that we want to talk about because we talked about the Alabama Three. And Mr. Steve can take it from there because this is closer to his heart. Uh, it's just, uh, unfortunately, uh, we, we have to report the passing of Jake Black, who is one of the co-founders of Alabama 3 and one of the primary songwriters, along with Rob Sprague. Uh, he passed away uh, the day after uh, they played a gig, and uh, the, the band is continuing on because they, they uh, know that Jake would have wanted it that way. They were debating whether or not to cancel shows last weekend after it happened, and they they went ahead and played them. But uh, Jake uh, from Glasgow was known as the very Reverend D. Wayne Love. Uh, he will be sorely missed in our thoughts and condolences and deepest sympathies go out to all of his friends and family. And yeah, uh, when I tweeted that I've listened to Alabama 3 pretty much every day for 20 years, uh, that's true. Like, I've at least listened to one track of theirs almost every day for 20 years. And uh, it, it's it's a tough one, but unfortunately, that that is the way these things go. Uh, so yeah, that was a bit of housekeeping I wanted to do. And also, uh, the last episode... We were talking about Stephen Third Eye Blind. <laughs> Are you? Uh, this is a controversial meth update. <laughs> well, it's just uh, like I, I, the, I worry that perhaps. Do you like, think we, we treated it too glibly? I do, uh, because like we were we were talking about, and like I I myself viewed it a little glibly because we're talking about the son of like two professors who's like dabbling with meth. right but like i think the way that i put it was this is like more of a rock and roll meth thing but like and what i meant was like it's not the kind of meth that is destroying our communities currently well, like this like, is some rich kid fucking around yeah <laughs> am i making it worse <laughs> and what i'd wanted to just point out was like that we we didn't acknowledge at all was like, meth was already a, a huge problem in, like, uh, working-class communities at that point in time, uh, around the late 90s. It was already being, uh, it was, the reason it, it came into such a prominence was because factory workers and truck drivers were using it to stay, to stay awake mm-hmm. for 12 to 14-hour shifts or drives or things like that. And then, obviously, you know, industrial kids and, and ravers abused it for amusement. Mm. but uh, that's where the the roots of the uh the real meth problems come and then obviously it was one of the primary uh 
primary wares of biker gangs and things like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, one of the benefits of being a fledgling podcast is that uh, before anyone can be outraged by it, like <laughs> if I have a day away from something we've said or talked about and I can ruminate on it, uh, I, can, I can address it myself. So, yeah, I, I don't want to minimize it or anything like that. This is my public service announcement. I realize it is a very serious problem. And uh, coincidentally, after we recorded, I just happened to read a big thing about how meth was wrecking white, like white working class families and whatnot in the mm. late 1990s. And it hit home. And I didn't want anyone to think that uh, oh, we were callous towards uh, the plight of those in recovery or those who had suffered the uh, adverse effects of, of knowing an addict or, or uh, being in a community ravaged by addiction. Right. Like, of course. If, if we were... You know, if we were as glib about another drug, you know, I, I for for example, I, I think that, uh, you know, we, we could be, people would take a lot more of an objection to it than uh, like working class factory workers and math, but that doesn't make it any less serious or anything, uh, anything not to be addressed. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, so that's so, housekeeping. So that's housekeeping. So And it's if we promise to keep doing this too. Like if in the aftermath of an episode we go over it and we think, "Oh, we need to add to that or even apologize for that." Like we will always do that. All right, so those are the the two top of the hour and now we can go into our songs. And so we're starting with Mr. Steve's song. Uh, and that is, I love Elvis Costello, so I'm going to try not to interrupt you a bunch. No, you you feel free. Uh, yeah. Same. <laughs> like, he's right behind me, Elvis Costello. There's a giant picture of it. Like, you better watch what you say, because he's listening. <laughs> it's not me. It's me, Rabbit. I, 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 well, it's a good thing I have direct quotes from him. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, we're, uh, it is summertime, and, uh. We are going to do a summer song. This is from the 1991 album Mighty Like a Rose, which some, at the time of its release, disparagingly referred to it as the Beard Album. <laughs> this is when, uh, basically, in Elvis's own words, he was uh, burying the geek <laughs> for good. Oh, no, Elvis. He was drinking a lot at the time, and he went through the raggedy, long-haired Alan Moore, Dark Knight of the Soul. Mm. Uh, me! And he came up with this song, which is his homage to the Beach Boys, a lot of the Beatles back in the USSR. Back in the- Men grow beards like women cut bangs. Or don't shave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that. Men, like men don't that, shave. That like might women be our first shave. T-shirt. <laughs> I, you know, I don't. I think that that might be. I don't think I got that from anywhere. Or, or maybe it's just an accepted thing. It seems like it should be accepted. It's that's the same impulse. But, Agreed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, copy, copyright. Copyright 20, us. 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20. <laughs> yeah. TM, 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 TM. <laughs> TM, 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 TM. Let's just all make a shirt that's all TMs. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Elvis was uh, was the qu- direct quote from the uh, biography Complicated Shadows, uh, written by Graham Thompson. It's a quote from Elvis. 
I'd apparently let some people down who didn't want me to change my image. I'd successfully buried the geek guy for good, but it's my life and my body, and if I want to fuck myself up and have a beard and wear my hair long, that's my business. I have my own reasons for that change of image. Some of them personal, some of them just damn willful. Wow. Nice. Which is terrific. Yeah. I mean, um, that sounds feminist. That... <laughs> If I want to let my bangs grow out, I will damn well do it. <laughs> I got bangs off. So <laughs> but uh, so Mighty Like a Rose comes in Elvis's discography right after what was at that time his biggest mainstream hit in the United States, Veronica, uh, co-written with Paul McCartney, which is. The most upbeat, catchy song about a woman with dementia. Yeah. <laughs> he has a tendency to do this kind of stuff. <laughs> right. And so he follows this up with uh, his Beach Boys slash Phil Spector pastiche. He, they tried to create the wall of sound drums on it production-wise, and the, the song itself is layered with drums. Fourteen layers of keyboards on this wow. song. Wow, it sounds bright and lovely. It really sounds like summer, right? Which is the joke because it is essentially a rant or a long litany of complaints <laughs> about what, specifically, given the the Beach Boys lineage, specifically seems to be about Los Angeles and California culture. You can keep your California sunshine. But it also extends globally to various things that are going on at that point in time. So here we are. I realized from listening to previous episodes, I need to stop saying without any further ado. <laughs> uh, I didn't notice. So the other... I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, I mean, I, he's probably just being too self-critical. Well, what, what the, you know, the, you're your own worst critic. Yeah, of course. So I think that we all listen back and we're like, oh, man. But this is one of the, the few songs uh, that, that I kind of embrace as personal mottos or screeds. Uh, for anyone else interested, uh, You Choose the Fly is another one. <laughs> um, but the other side of summer is, well, let's just launch into it. The sun struggles up another beautiful day. And I felt glad in my own suspicious way. <laughs> Despite the contradiction and confusion, felt tragic without reason. There's malice and there's magic in every season. So we're, we're setting the stage. Now we get into Elvis's kind of trademark lyric writing. From the foaming breakers of the poisonous surf, the other side of summer, <laughs> to the burning forests in the hills of AstroTurf, the other side of summer. I hate California. The automatic gates close up between the shanties and the palace. Basically, you know, remarking on white flight and the proliferation of gated communities. Oh, white town goes over that, that too. Uh, the the blowtorch amusements, the voodoo chalice, the pale pathetic promises that everybody swallows. A teenage girl is crying because she don't look like a million dollars. So help her if you can, because she don't seem to have the attention span. <laughs> And and through all of this, there's the like ba 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 ba. Right, and the we you we use uh, yeah. Beach Boys tracks and and summertime surfing USA sort of sort of numbers. Um, and now we get into where he starts pointing out, let's say, not necessarily contradictions, 
but uh, certain aspects of popular rock stars and their their songs at the time. Uh, I had noted he had been working with Paul McCartney, and he, Paul McCartney worked on three songs on this record, and he had previously worked with him on Spike. The next line is. Was it a Yes, it was. Which he's Elvis is directly says, I didn't, I wasn't intending it as a slap to John Lennon. I just think I'm he was para- just pointing it out. Like I just think Imagine is one of his worst songs, and <laughs> he didn't think it through. <laughs> and I think that's a very important thing to point out about John. He Lennon. didn't think it through. That's that should be on John Lennon's gravestone. <laughs> it should be because. Uh, especially at the time I grew up and really started loving John Lennon and the Beatles, uh, we were being sold the the new biopic uh, documentary, Imagine John Lennon. Mm. And it was at the time, like, Live in New York City was being released and everything else, and he was being heralded as this lovely, lovely man. Uh, his assassination had basically made everyone put on rose-co- rose-colored glasses in reassessing John Lennon's legacy. But here's a man who sang about peace and love, but abused his first yep. wife. Oh, he's a wife beater. both of his wives. Neglected his son, his sons. Hey, Jude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't be afraid. Go ahead and yeah, elaborate uh, for people who don't know. I, I think everyone, well, okay, so Hey, Jude is about. Everyone does not know. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, because often I'm like, everybody knows this. I'm not going to go over it. Hey, Jude is about Julian Lennon. So... Hey Jude is written by Paul McCartney for Julian Lennon, basically to be like, I'm so sorry that your father is a dickhole and I wish that I could change that, but I can't. Here's a song. Keep your chin up. Nah, 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 nah. Yep. (laughs) Wow. I, eh. Yeah. (laughs) And this is the the same John Lennon that, that is singing about peace and love is the same vindictive man who wrote how do you sleep yes to to uh, to paul mccartney when by all accounts john was the one who wanted to break up the beatles right so john liked to blame things on everyone but john two guitarists one bassist and a drummer and that drummer's name was my very best friend ringo so as everyone contains multitudes so did john lennon i i'm not uh, downgrading or downplaying his talents or his contributions or his insight. Uh, Musicians are people like right. that in that it can't be extricated. Like the God pe- is an amazing song. Working class hero is an amazing song. Instant karma is an amazing song. It doesn't distract detract from anything he's done, but he was not the happy bearded friendly chap. Right. He wasn't like the peace and love hippie that people have made right. him out to be. He was not the bedding guy. He had a snarling anger to him as well. Yes. I'm warning you with peace and love. Uh, speaking of snarling anger, <laughs> the next line addresses another one of my favorite musicians. Uh, a poor little schoolboy who said, we don't need no lessons. Hey! <laughs> Which is a direct <laughs> Roger Waters. Roger Waters. Because Roger Waters would not have been able to write those songs. If he hadn't had his lessons. Had he not had his lessons. He could not have his pudding until he had his lessons. Exactly. (laughs) I don't know anyone who doesn't love a sticky toffee pudding. And he 
he was a a studious young man and he very bright and obviously he could not have written about the experience of British schooling had he not gone through it. Mm -hmm. So then we move on to a little more vague, which I always took this next segment to be a dig at the punkers where Mm. it's the rabid rebel dogs ransack the shampoo shop. (laughs) So like you're, you're such rebels, but you care about your appearance. And if you know about dyeing your hair, Right. You know that no matter how tough or cool you may be. You still have to stand there with shit in your hair. Right. In and the bathroom. And rinse it out and be like, oh, I got it on the towel. Oh, it's on the tile. Oh, oh mom's going to kill me. This whole towel is red. So, yeah, the rabid rebel dogs ransack the shampoo shop. The pop princess is downtown shooting up. And if that goddess is fit for burning, the sun will struggle up. The world will still be turning. So... Here we turn his attention to the immediate nature of people to build celebrity and then destroy it. Mm. Like, we, we've all seen it with Britney Spears. Well, I'm still super obsessed with horses. Oh, Britney. Free Britney. We see how everybody loves uh, when a celebrity falls from grace and everybody waits to pick the carcass and fire off their bullshit hot takes about it. Mm. It's like the cycle of life at this point. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's vicarious pleasure through suffering. It's shady fruit. Mm. as the germans called it and it's it's uh, you know i think i think it's rampant now the internet has just proliferated one of the things that that strikes me about this song is that it's still it seems more uh accurate at this point like this the social commentary of it is still pretty laser sharp right it's 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 a visionary song considering this was 1991 like it just it it foresaw the acceleration of everything from pollution, climate change, to uh, cancel culture, mm. and everything else. Madman standing by the side of the road saying, look at my eyes. Now you can't afford to fake all the drugs your parents used to take because of their mistakes. You better be wide awake. Oh, you better be wide awake is my favorite part of that song because he's just like, he spits it. Better be wide awake. Does and it's again, it's saying, look, the peace and love generation fucked about. They didn't follow through on anything. They didn't do shit. They traded in their tie dyes for polo shirts. They sold you all out. Mm. You better have an eye open going into the future because you're not gonna have it as as easy as they did. Where is the lie? Right. Not detected. Spot on. Fuck these boomers. And as we as we come to the towards the end of the song. The mightiest rose, the absence of perfume, the casual killers, the military curfew, the cardboard city, and the unwanted birthday. The other side of summer. So summery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if you listen to the song, it definitely is. Like, it's we pump it all the time in the car when it gets sunny, windows down. <laughs> the very last verse of the song is. is, is the eulogy for our culture. Mm-hmm. The dancing was desperate. The music was worse. They bury your dreams and dig up the worthless. Good night. God bless and kiss goodbye to the earth. The other side of summer. <laughs> Jesus. God damn. It's, it's so good. So yeah. Elvis. I think 
I think somebody, somebody, some random musician in the modern era could have an insane hit on their hands with a cover of this. Yeah, that was, I mean, but who? That, ugh. I don't know. Just I don't so know, I don't know any current musicians. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know any current musicians. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I I think this this anger. Uh, I think the beard and hair and the destruction of the old image let him get back to his inherent meanness. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. There's no reason to do this song here. That he began with when he was, I, you know refused to do the songs he was told to do on Saturday Night Live and right. subsequently got banned. And I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but there's just really no reason to do this song here tonight. One, two, three, four! Uh, I mean, or like, be, like just being unapologetic. He always like, had punk attitude, but was not a punk musician. Mm. Like, he was always more interested in influence uh, influences as wide as, you know, pop music, soul music, classical music. And... His, yeah, in the liner notes for the deluxe edition of Mighty Like a Rose, he sums up the song thusly The words are a catalog of pop conceits, deceits, hypocrisies, and delusions. I include myself in this parade of liars and dupes. <laughs> and Diana Krall turns over and says, Elvis, go to sleep. There are times when I, I do speak and there are times when I don't. <laughs> which is, which... Elvis, this, sir, this is an art piece. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I, I, I'm not sure of the timeline. I think Crawl, I think he became Mr. Crawl. Late, I think later than Mighty Like a Rose. Substantially after yeah. this. But I was just clowning. It just seems to be this terrible, terrible... Uh, trend where musicians i really like all of a sudden decide they're way into jazz <laughs> and it's not against true. jazz it's just whenever rock musicians try their hands at jazz it's a mixed bag yeah it so, could go either way delicately <laughs> but yeah the other side of summer i think is a uh, brilliant biting satire it's right up there with you know misunderstood upbeat sounding songs like i love la you've got a friend in me or uh Maxwell Silverhammer. Bang, bang. Pardon? This is Maxwell Silverhammer. I was is... talking about like satires of pop culture. Oh, I thought you were just lifestyle. talking about like upbeat songs no, that are not no. upbeat lyrically. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, Maxwell Silverhammer, that's a whole other kettle of fish because is, is Maxwell in grade school? Why is he writing on the board? They say he's studying. <laughs> oh, no, we're going to, we should go over this. <laughs> Save it. Maxwell Silverhammer doesn't make any sense, Paul. <laughs> There's got to there's got to be a Beatles episode in our future. Yeah, there has to be like a full Beatles episode. Ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles. Has- no question. So, but that is that is That's my, the other side of the summer. That's the other side of summer. Good night, God bless, kiss goodbye to the earth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so will are you going to tell us about some man man? I am. I am. Double man, man squared. Man man. <laughs> man <laughs> man. All right, let me bring up all my notes here. Okay, so so we're going to eventually talk about Man-Man. But before we get to Man-Man, we need to talk about the man behind Man-Man, Ryan Katner. Ryan Katner is he's just a very, very busy guy. He's in the band Man-Man. He's done a solo act called Honus Honus. So he likes repetition. He does. 
Um, and actually, I think he calls himself Honus Honus when he is performing with Man Man. <laughs> um, he also is in a band called Mr. Heavenly. Mr. Mr. Heavenly is a, like an indie rock supergroup with uh, Honus Honus, Nicholas Thorburton from Islands and the Unicorns, uh, Joe Plummer from Modest Mouse and the Shins, and, and Brett Morris uh, is also <laughs> a member of Mr. Heavenly. He plays bass, and he's also an audio engineer for Earwolf. So oh. uh, watch the throne. Um, <laughs> go and check out Mr. Heavenly. Go and check out Honus Honus. That that solo album is is very good and very interesting. On top of all that stuff, he composes for you know various TV shows. I know he worked on the um, the Exorcist TV show, and um, he's in a he's in this delightful little short called "So It Goes" with uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Travis Grant. Where they talk about, you know, music and like he helps her get her spark back. He's like her muse or something. It's 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 adorable. Um, so Ryan Katner himself, he's this, you know, shorter guy, really shaggy hair and his voice. You know how a lot of people say uh, what Tom Waits sounds like he's um, gargling hot gravel. So he said, this guy sounds exactly like that. Cold gravel. Yes. <laughs> Cold, Cold gravel. gravel yeah. <laughs> so he, he formed this uh, this group called Man Man. Uh, it's kind of a experimental pop. Um, started in Philadelphia. They're based off out in Los Angeles, as all good bands do, whenever they want to do more than just make music, I guess. And it's insane. The music that Man Man makes is absolutely bonkers. My friend Corey, who anytime I'm on the show, I'll probably mention him because he's kind of my source for new music. Hi, Corey. Hi, Corey. Hi, Will. Uh, he introduced me to uh, to Man Man playing it in the car. We would drive to D&D together, and I would hear a lot of Man Man songs. We ended up seeing them live at Club Cafe, and then I'm sure you guys have experienced this, going to see a live band, not knowing a ton about them, and when you leave, you're obsessed. Yes, of course. Yes, that was Man Man for me. Club Cafe, for listeners who might not know, is a uh, it's a little area or a little um, bar in Pittsburgh. Gets a lot of good acts, but the stage area is relatively tiny, especially if you have a, a four-piece band, as they do. Um, when I saw them, it was it was the four of them, and each one of them were positioned on the stage and literally surrounded on all sides by different instruments. <laughs> you can barely fit poor, four people on that stage without instruments. Yeah, I saw the red Elvises on that stage. And, <laughs> and I love my job. They have an upright bass. They had no room for anything. <laughs> they scored a piano on there. It was it was absolutely wow. insane. So um, just just real quick, let me uh, let me go down the Honus Honus members. Um, there is uh, the man himself, vo- I'm sorry, Man Man members. <laughs> Honus Honus does vocals, piano, electric piano, organ, guitar, ukulele, and percussion. Uh, Kevin Ringo does marimba, bass, melodica, trumpet, clarinet, bass, clarinet, percussion, and backing vocals. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> um, through Butler does saxophone, baritone saxophone, and bass. And holy shit, 
to seeing that guy play saxophone was insane. And I can imagine how loud that was in that room. <laughs> oh, it was amazing. <laughs> and then uh, King Cyrus King, who plays uh, guitar, bass, keys, synth, saxophone, drum programming, loops, samples, and backing vocals. That is a lot of instrumentation. It is. And if you hear all that and think, well, their songs have to be insane and cacophonous, you are correct. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what they are. Um, Their first album came out in 2004, The the Man in a Blue Turban with a Face. Um, And (laughs) that was followed in 2006 with Six Demon Bag, Rabbit Habits in 2008, Life Fantastic in 2011, and On Oni Pond in 2013. Those albums um, just increased in quality as as you went along, to the point where I where On Oni Pond is one of those few albums where I can listen to every single song on it. That is very rare. I love it. I'm Even some of my it. favorites albums of all time have one song that I skip. Six Demon Bag is a big trouble in Little China reference. Terrific. A Six Demon Bag. Sensational. What's in it, Egg? Oh, it really? Is. Yeah. It is. <laughs> um, but instead of picking something from On Oni Pond, I am picking something from Rabbit Habits. Uh, it is track 11. It is called Top Drawer. And this was the first song by them that I really, really, it really clicked with me um, for two reasons. One, the... The, the voice. I mean, his, his voice really, really gets me. Um, and it, it conveys this kind of chaotic energy that I really enjoy when I'm in the mood for it. And also, they talk about hot dogs. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so where without, could you go wrong? <laughs> where could you go wrong? Exactly. So, without any further ado, oh, um, I'm off the hook. <laughs> off the hook. All right. Uh, it starts out with um and again i encourage everyone to go and listen to this because me reading the lyrics does not uh, there's there's fucking xylophones in this song yeah you should always go to our spotify after the episode or maybe before and listen to the songs and then then you can listen to us talk about them but we put them up every week Absolutely. Okay. You need a haircut. You need a shoe shine. You need aristocratic, glow-in-the-dark, erotic magnet. I do. Everybody does. I know. That's they say that. Uh, <laughs> you, you need a moped, half boy, half hostess. You need a black Cadillac so just can drive I know. I am a smoke fire, scared of holy water. People claim I'm possessed by the devil, but mama, I know I'm possessed by your daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then we get into what is ostensibly the chorus. Uh, I know, I've been told, I am dancing through. And then screams. Top dog, top dog, hot dog, hot dog. (laughs) I am the top dog, top dog, hot dog, hot dog. I love it. It's so much fun. Little xylophone breakdown. (laughs) Um, You need a new body. You need a new latte. You need the lingering scent of holiday men doing hot Pilates. (laughs) 
when I figured out what that line was, I it just made me so happy. <laughs> I like when when independent musicians throw shade at Pilates in the middle of a song. Yeah. <laughs> I, I enjoy that a bit. Like it now I know of another instance where it happens. Bright Eyes has mm-hmm. a great one. But of, of what? Like a bead of sweat off the abdomen of your Pilates. Oh like, yeah. Could be yoga. <laughs> but when indie acts throw shade at, at Pilates, at that's, yoga, that's gold. In Pilates, right there, yeah, gold star. a weird, a, a weird trend, but one I'm, I think we should explore. I welcome it. <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, I know. Fuck Pilates. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you cried wet cement. You love accidents. You wonder where the true love went, and this is. One of my favorite lines in any song. Wow. That makes me feel good inside when I say it. You know what <laughs> I mean? It's one of those. Um, I am a smoke fire, scared of holy water. People claim I'm possessed by your daughter. Mama, I know I'm possessed by a problem. I know. I've been told I'm passing through. And then uh, the chorus repeats, top dog, top hot dog, dog, hot dog, dog hot, hot dog. dog. Uh, and the, it, it goes back and forth between that and I know, I've been told. And the, the song ends with him just howling into the microphone. And everything stops. It's so good. It's so, it gets me so pumped. energized. <laughs> yeah. Totally pumped up to do stuff. Great workout song. Um, if you, if you, uh, for, for job or just for recreation have to beat somebody up, this is a good song to listen to, uh, ahead of time. It's like Can't... that scene in the office where Dwight is in his car <laughs> playing his pop up song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Leave the keys. That's exactly right. This is Will in his car <laughs> listening to Batman. Like, yes, yeah. yes. Hot dog. Hot dog. Hot dog. Hot dog. It's it's so it's so fun to like once you once you figure out the lyrics scream along with it in the car, it's uh it's it's super good and I was reminded because while I was reading the lyrics I was like why does this seem so familiar I remembered that um, Sawtooth Willie also read these lyrics oh <laughs> for, for good an old episode. Sawtooth how is he doing um uh oh. <laughs> He's fine. He's busy, I think. Um, I've moved a couple of times, so I think he's having trouble finding me. Oh, well, I mean, um, that could be for the better. Yeah, but you, I mean, you can't, you can't, can't keep a good sawtooth down. Um, <laughs> that's a really good impression of Sawtooth Willie. It is. Thank that's you. so weird. It sounds like exactly like him. Yeah, Thank you. Hot dog. Hot dog. I've done, I've done, I've watched a lot of his shit. So, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's the song that's man man i i encourage everyone to go and listen to their music as well as honus honus mr heavenly is something very different um but it's still still really good woot woot man man all right so uh, we're on my song wow we're just burning tonight fellas we've we've got we've covered a lot of ground we are chugging right along <laughs> we're going into relationships and marxism <laughs> So excellent. It's just one of them. 
<laughs> Two sides of the same coin. Yep. Um. Uh, and back to the 90s, because apparently I'm just going to burn through all of my 90s tunes until I'm done. Well, uh, <laughs> um, a song with a Marxist bent is a, a fitting, uh, fitting track on an episode where we mourn the passing of the very reverend yes d wayne probably liked white town i i would i would assume or i don't know who who knows or he could at least empathize with the viewpoint that's true hold on will you're gonna have to cut this out while i'm lighting my cigarette or or leave it in so everyone knows what a degenerate she is oh my god like you can't tell what a degenerate i am from like the music i listen to i don't know (laughs) was a top 40 hit (coughs) So White Town was a top 40 hit, but like it um, is very strange that it got there. Um, we Well, con- considering the lyrics to Informer by Snow and the lyrics to... Semi-Charmed just... Life? Yes, thank you. <laughs> Those were also top 40 hits. Yes. I mean... <clears throat> so what we're learning is that basically all, all these top 40 hits are saying lots of stuff that nobody knew that they were saying at the time which was the point of the podcast mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so as as we were saying your woman by white town who is just one man named Giodi mishra he recorded it on an eight track in his spare room in darby england and he played it to his girlfriend who told him to do something with it he could only press five copies he sent them out to someone at radio one who started playing it and it fucking blew up. So he literally made it in his spare room. His girlfriend was like, oh, you should definitely do something with that. And he was like, maybe I will. And he sent it to Radio 1 and then suddenly had a deal with EMI. That's amazing. Yeah. And he still does that to this day. He still makes all of his own music in his, probably not his spare room in Darby anymore. Will, I know Will hasn't heard the song before, but I know that you definitely have. Um, you being it, Mr. It Steve. Might, <laughs> my, I mean, my memory is garbage, so it might come back to me. It, it might. Once I start reading the lyrics, it might come back to For me. For those of you who may be somewhat hazy on it, it has a repeated trumpet loop that vaguely sounds like the Imperial March. That is, (laughs) that's actually a sample from a song called My Woman by Al Boley. And it is, it was a, he's a singer from the 1930s who was a South African British vocalist who was like madly popular. So um, Giotti found that and just plucked that sample out and it's layered in the song in a bunch of different ways. Sometimes it's slowed down. It's really banging at the beginning. It's sort of like what makes you be like, what is this? Mm -hmm. So... And it's the first song I can remember that really used a repeated sample of trumpet stings. Mm-hmm. You know, decades before Cena. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Judge Cena just crashed through the wall of the studio. I look like Mark Wahlberg ate Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> if we were only so lucky. <laughs> so, Jyoti Mishra is Indian. And he emigrated to Britain when he was three years old in 1969. Oh, nice. Nice, nice, nice. So he basically was, for all intents and purposes, English. And the the name that he operates under, White Town, is because of 
the push-pull of that. So he says on his personal website, I chose the name of the band to represent some of the experiences I had as a kid growing up brown in predominantly white towns. As you may imagine, it wasn't exactly a barrel of laughs. So you can see that he has a, a knack for the art of the understatement. From his girlfriend saying, you should do this, he has this massive hit. He gets signed, but technically well not even technically this is really his only hit he's still making music to this day and it's awesome and you should check it out all of it is on itunes it sounds like new order by one indian british guy in his room which is great and when he was asked about how do you feel about being a one-hit wonder he says better than a no-hit wonder which is the right attitude yes (laughs) your woman is a very strange song and when i was younger I assumed that it was about a gay man in love with a straight man. That's always what I thought the song was about. It turns out it is about that, but it's also about a bunch of other stuff. He says directly on his website, I wanted to get it straight from his mouth. So I'd been reading a lot of Wilhelm Wilhelm Reich and Andrea Dorgan, and they both influenced the lyrics in different ways. Yes, (laughs) we are about to get into it. Here are some of the things it's about, he says. Being a member of an orthodox Trotskyist Marxist movement, I can't speak, as I was for three years in the 80s. Being a straight guy in love with a lesbian, ditto. This is a four-way road. Being a gay guy in love with a straight man, not tried this one yet. Being a straight girl in love with a lying, two-timing, fake-ass Marxist. And the hypocrisy that results when love and lust get mixed up with highbrow ideals. So it's about... a lot going on. Yeah, it's about everybody. And that's why the lyrics don't adhere to like one gender line or why sometimes you're like, what is going on here? Is this like a heterosexual relationship, a homosexual relationship? Because it's about just all types of relationships across the board. Pretty wild. Let's see. So after the one hit wonder, he realized. Do you? Do you uh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, do you want to give them a little background on Andrea Dorkin? Oh no. Just like a capsule <laughs> statement, like who is like if someone's listening is like who is Andrea Dorkin? Um, she is a prominent feminist writer, and she's very polarizing. So I don't know what side of that polar you are on. <laughs> and Wilhelm Reich is a psychoanalyst, psychotherapist who popularized the notion of orgon energy, which is the sexual energy released during an orgasm can be harnessed and utilized for healing purposes and or esoteric and spiritual growth. What? Well, hang on a second. Did you say horgon energy? The horgon is for a friend. Orgon. Orgon. O-R-G-O-N-E. It's called a horgon. Uh, William S. Burroughs famously had an orgon chamber chamber in his house. Okay, I heard horgon, and I was like, the. the <laughs> that's Star the name Trek? of that's the name of my new death metal band. <laughs> horgon. Yeah. Horgon is the fourth mightiest kaiju. <laughs> horgon is the uh, symbol of fertility on the planet Risa in uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. Oh God! And nerds. I'm. Listen Not to kidding. the nerds. <laughs> Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. Chaka, when the walls fell. <laughs> exactly. 
Uh, we literally, Maria and I, have two Horgon candle holders in our house. <laughs> What's this? It's Horgon. That is who we are. <laughs> so, from the perspective that this song is about all genders falling in love and lust with all genders, uh, one of the great statements that I found from GOT was, I hate most male songwriting. A lot of it falls into two camps. It's either twee indie songwriting where it's about some girl who's perfect and runs through fucking flowery fields, or it's like, she done me wrong, she is a bitch whore. It's basically the paradigm of virgin or whore made into male songwriting. And I'm like, I want to write songs about what it's really like in a relationship. If you're in a relationship, it doesn't matter what gender or sexuality you are, you're going to hurt people. That's just love. That's the nature of human relationships. So can't we talk honestly about love and sex? So to wit, we will talk honestly about love and sex from the perspective of everyone as run through GOT Mishra or White Town. I've been waiting for so long to hear the truth. It comes as no surprise at all you see. So cut the crap and tell me that we're through. Now I know your heart. I know your mind. You don't even know you've been unkind. So much for all your highbrow Marxist ways. Boy, you can't play me that way. So in that, he, this is someone talking to him. The so much for all your highbrow Marxist ways mm. is some mm. woman saying to him, you're a fucking idiot. Like, you tell me all of these idealistic things, but you're just like everyone else. Well, I guess what you say is true. I could never be the right kind of girl for you. So then we're back to a flip. I could never be your woman. And that repeats four times. Like Lil Wayne said, Repetition is the father of learning. I repeat. Repetition is the father of learning. When I saw my best friend yesterday, she said she never liked you from the start. Well, me, I wish I could claim the same, but you always knew you held my heart. And you're such a charming, handsome man. Now I think I finally understand. Is it in your genes, which is the genes with a G, but it also is sort of a punny type thing? I don't know. Wordplay. <laughs> but I'll soon find out, that's for sure. Why did you play me this way? And then the rest is sort of flips on the car the chorus so the chorus and the pre-chorus he says and then the bridge is well i guess what they say is true i could never spend my life with a man like you and it his statement on the whole thing was the music was done fairly quickly. The lyrics took bloody ages. <laughs> <laughs> and it it's just a really awesome song that uh, I'm not sure if since the 90s has sort of been revisited. Um, it would be great for for <laughs> for, I guess, car commercials. <laughs> <laughs> Are you free? Are you really free? But that is your woman by White Town. And it has a it has a, a great synthy lounge feel to it. Yeah, it's very swinging. Mm -hmm. So the whole thing is about relationships. The music is very much 
like a, a swinging club. Uh, most of his music is, I think I said, like it's sort of like New Order. That's what it sounds like mm-hmm. to me. Um, and he has, I found this crazy list of instruments that he uses that I'm not going to put everybody through, but it's about, <laughs> it's about the size of Man Man's uh, <laughs> a stage setup, <laughs> but it's just one dude. So it's just all of that. Yeah. And uh, when he recorded that song in that little spare room, he said some of the vocal tracks, you can hear the floorboards creak. So he had to take the dropout on the floorboard creaks. So that is White Town, and that's our three songs for the night. Any anything else, guys? Anything you want to talk about? Any emotions? No, um, I, I always think it's uh, think it's funny how even though we don't coordinate in advance in terms of what songs we're doing, the episodes usually have some sort of overarching theme. Yeah, they all they seem to sort of work together, even when it's like like when we had Foreman just last week and. It, like when we all we we don't coordinate we swear we don't it just sort of works together mm-hmm. everything is connected man it's don't true. look at me like that I, I, <laughs> I, I literally had no expression on my face it's just my face so, so. i can't see will but he's probably Sorry giving me some sort of look too my face no like, no it's Hey, that's that's a whole different podcast. Everything is connected, man. <laughs> it's true, and we're gonna talk about how. No, <laughs> listen to the hippies. Well, no, we already hippies. went over. Don't listen to the hippies. I, I think I think that brings us to to uh, one more late remembrance of D Wayne. Because the righteous truth is, there ain't nothing worse than some fool lying on some third world beach in spandex, psychedelic trousers, smoking damn dope. Pretending he's getting consciousness expansion. (laughs) Rest in power, D. Wayne. Amen. And thank you all for listening to Listen to the Words. You can always find us on Twitter at LTTWpod, and there's a link for our Spotify there. You can listen at lttwcast.com and please visit our Patreon to support us, patreon.com slash lttw. We will love you forever and thank you, Tiff, who is our first patron and so will forever be our favorite patron. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you. Bye. Bye. This podcast is a presentation of Coffee Finch Studios, LLC, all rights reserved. Elvis, this, sir, this is an art piece. <laughs> <laughs>